Hello, everyone. My name is Gary Fowler, and it is great to be here again to see you all and have you partake in the show. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. I've done 17 companies. I've been involved in two unicorns. I was on the original management team at Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also Eva.ai, an AI HR tech company. Love artificial intelligence and quantum computing. I'm the CEO, president of GSD, Get You Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio working in 24 countries around the world and expanding. So it was with great honor today that I get a chance to bring on someone that I've had the pleasure of have, being on several panels with, Jim Thomas, who's a partner at Curanaga Partners in Orlando, Florida. You know, as you know, Florida is now becoming a place for people to come to, for startups to go to. Incredible scene in Orlando and Miami, vibrant community. And with people like Jim on board, it's getting better. He's a philanthropist, he's an investor, and he's an entrepreneur. With that, uh, Jim, great to have you here today. Great to be with you, Gary. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about it. So... How did you, you know, you went to school in California. <laughs> University of Southern California is not a bad place to be. Why in the world did you move to Orlando? <laughs> That's when, when I was leaving L.A., uh, everybody said that. They're like, no one moves to Orlando. You go to Orlando, you have a good time, you come home. They're like, are you on a witness protection program? <laughs> and then I kept getting that over and, and over. Said, you said, hey, listen, if I was, I wouldn't be able to tell you about it. Yeah, I'm like, well, first of all, yeah, like, yeah. So the answer is uh, definitely no. Um, I said, come visit. I'm like, when? when's the last time? Because especially from California, very few people go to Florida because you have Disneyland, you have all the, the hospitality things in Southern California. And I said, come visit. And I wasn't sure, even the, the first year, I thought I'll, I'll I'll give this a year. I just wanted to experience something different than um, you know. I grew up in LA and I'd I'd been there and it was it was good um, at the time. Everybody was like, oh, you know, Austin was really was really blowing up. But I'm like, I, I just want an East Coast experience, but I really don't want to. I'd worked in DC. I'd worked in politics. Really didn't want to go to New York. And so all of a sudden, Florida made a lot of sense. And then I just liked. Central Florida, and the more time I spent here, I realized the amazing—they call it the I-4 corridor. Really, if you look at like UF, University of Florida, Gainesville, out to Daytona, which is Embry-Riddle, down the Space Coast, and then through Orlando over to Tampa, St. Pete, Sarasota. That swath has some of the best uh, state universities in the whole country, and turns out some of the best uh, intellectual property in the whole country. And where I sit right now, I'm like 45 minutes from Kennedy Space Center. I I watch uh, rocket launches from my my balcony. So it it just it started to make a lot of sense to me. But until the past couple of years, people still thought I was crazy for setting up shop in Florida. Uh, interesting. And and so uh, you know you've had a wide background. So you went from <laughs> California State. Senate as a legislative aide to a campaign manager in the Senate uh, to the California State Senate as a district representative, and you did that for a year. Why did you leave that? Because I mean, your background's public, you know, public policy, right? What, what yeah, I, I get, I'm like, I, I get that. Which one day do you want to do this <laughs> or what happened? 
So, um, you know, when I when I grew up, my you know my parents uh, and really my grandparents were uh, heavily involved in in politics and really listening to them. And they grew up, you know, through the depression and, you know, they saw the you know, Oklahoma Dust Bowl and, and then immigrated to uh, California. And just that, that whole generation, if you were going to do something positive in the country or for the planet, you got into politics, you know, nonprofits did their thing. And those greedy businessmen, you know, were just out for profits on the other side. And so I was just kind of, I don't know, brain, brainwashed or, or groomed. Like I, I just wanted to make, an impact on the world from a young age. And that was just the, certainly the thing I was gonna do. And so I was kind of methodical about it. I worked for two cities, I worked for two state senators, uh, I worked for a Florida house member in DC. Uh, I worked, you know, legislation in Sacramento, ran campaigns and then did a few years of government relations. And after 10 plus years, I looked back and I said, you know, what, what have I accomplished and what what have we, you know, from the political side, what have we really done? And are we just kind of fighting the same fight over and over again? Is and that I said, what happened, Jim? I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world today, right? But isn't that what's really happening? Are we just fight, are we fighting the battle so much between us and we're not really taking care of business? Well, it, it, the, the, the biggest problem that, that I see is I, I saw how people could be successful. You know, you use the topics, you, you know, you get a little further right, you get a little further left, you, you know, get people behind you and you get into office. But but think about people the topics. Do they, so do they really believe it, do you think? Because well, a lot of this I, you know, maybe maybe yeah. they do, but I, I just think they're short sighted. You know, we need great people in government. But but the idea that government is going to solve affordable housing, that government is going to do all the things, you know, they come up with these. It doesn't matter left or right. It's the same thing. You, they come up with these these huge campaign uh, um, you know, agendas, and they're and then they feed it to the public. And you go, maybe I'll finally believe this guy or gal, and they'll do what they say. But I think the system isn't. You know, innovation just doesn't. And that's what I found. Innovation just doesn't come from government. But that's too often the words that politicians use. I'm going to create more jobs. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then four years later, you're like, wait a minute. Jim, like, wait a minute. That didn't happen. And, and so are they just, you know, it's really interesting for me. Are they just saying that to get in office? Is this like, you know, they're just saying like, I'm going to do this because every one of them, we're going to lower taxes. Or we're going to yeah. take care of the, the well, you know, our senior citizens or the poor, or whatever, but <laughs> to get an office or what? It's crazy, you know? Yeah, I, I think some of them believe it. Uh, you know, some of them, I, I think it's just, you know, they're, they're wedge issues. And again, it's not to, to demonize either side. It's what I see as sad is they, they demonize each other. Oh, you didn't vote right enough and you didn't vote left enough. And if only we would have had the votes, then we would have made the change. And you're like, again, innovation doesn't come from government. And so that's what really drew me. I go, man, if I want to make a difference, I think I'm going to head into the business world. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to help entrepreneurs and let's tackle the biggest issues of the day. And let's, let's go after that. And oh, by the way, profiting is okay because it's called sustainability. <laughs> it means we get to stay in business and we get to keep doing what we said we were going to do. Yeah, yeah, no, you're 100% right. And, and uh, you know, like, you know, you mentioned an interesting point. I mean, I've never seen the country as polarized by far left and far right as, as now. I don't right. know if it's for balance. I don't know what to do. Right. It's kind of insane. 
because on both sides of the spectrum, they're way over the top. You know what I mean? Just way, well, way over the top. And not that we have to get too deep into politics, but unfortunately, that's how the, the, the system, the way we, we've it's been constructed, does that because we now we organize around parties and to win your primary, you pretty much have to be to the right or to the left of you can't win a primary down the center. You can't say, oh, I'm the most reasonable candidate. Vote for me. Party. That's interesting. You know, that, you're right so, about that. So, so then like you can't be moderate to win. Right. You can't. Well, you can't be and is usually you can't be the sensible moderate candidate in the middle and win the primary. So then when the general comes, you have two candidates that are further and further apart. And then depending on the breakdown of the district, obviously one or the other is going to win. And so now each cycle, these candidates have to get just by nature of the beast, they get further and further apart. But then when when they can't accomplish what they said, then they point the finger back at the other. Say, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. It was it was them. And you go, OK. <laughs> and then you, so you're like, OK, I've been at this long enough. I see this this pattern repeating itself. And then you go out and you say, hey, what if we get a coalition together and talk about homelessness and affordable housing and how to build a sustainable model? And people are, and then people from the left and right go, I care about the homeless. I care about affordable, I care about these issues. And all of a sudden you see these good people from the left and right coming together to be like, how do we just solve this without having to have a, an R or D behind our names? Maybe the thing is you got to be far left or far right to get an office and then you come in, you can be moderate, right? You got to well, more, more moderate. And that's, that's generally how you, that's generally how it works and watch it every time, whether it's the president, it's usually most notable in the presidential politics. You run real far out left or right, you grab the nomination and then you try to come back to the center enough to grab enough people to, to win. And it's just, you know, it's just rinse and repeat. And then when you're up for election, you run back out to the far left, far right. And it's just, you know, it's, it's over and over again. But it's just I, after after 10 years, I realized I'm like, we're talking about the same things. And I just don't I just don't personally feel like I've done anything. And I, I've now learned, you know, around government relations, I, I know how to make a nice business out of it. But I just don't I don't want to be in the business of, of politics. I want to be in the business of doing something. No, that's cool. So, OK, you so you go there. Okay, why did you go to Inland Energy? We were we were working on some really that was my um, that was really a government relations, and then uh, Inland was a sustainable really working on some of the early uh, sustainable energy projects. Um, you know, some bioreactors, uh, some really cool solar farms, and so that's what I, I started. I, I think that's some of my early exposure was I was still working on the government relations side, but I saw big business doing really cool stuff, really, um, you know, kind of cutting edge stuff that the politicians were talking about. I was now working with, you know, business leaders at who were actually doing. It. And obviously there has to be a relationship. Some of those early projects were certainly government, you know, had some level of government funding or some tax incentives or something like that. You know, you know, early SpaceX got up, literally got off the ground because of, you know, working with NASA early Tesla got off the ground because, you know, some of the tax incentives, like it, again, the message is we need good people in office, but we can't, we can't take them <laughs> at face value that, that they're going to do all the things that, 
they, they say they are because it's just it's not it's not built for that. No, that's that's interesting. Okay, so 2003. When did you make the shift and start to move to uh, entrepreneurship? When did that start for you? Was that uh, you did a lot of philanthropy? Yeah, yeah. Start? So I used grad school as a way to transition out of out of government. And then I started looking at, you know, what could be done from the community development level. And I started looking, um, started getting some experience in and around uh, real estate, community development. And it was just such a, you think of like the early mid 2000s, like, you know, like I got Facebook when I was in grad school only because I was a, a grad school student. Like it, this was all pre, um, it was pre iPhone. It was pre Facebook. It was pre um, think YouTube. Like it was kind of, you know, it seems archaic these days of, of all of the stuff that we do now. I saw the craziest stat uh, just two days ago in 2000. So the rapper wrap our heads around this in 2007, Apple was worth $70 billion. And today it's worth 2.4 trillion. And it was yeah, worth one, it, it was one trillion in in twenty twenty and now yeah. If you bought Apple stock back in what nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine when it was a dollar forty. Yeah. Right. But that's it. I, I love and you know it's it's to extend the point we're talking about. There there's a quote that says more wealth will be created in the next ten years than what was created in the last hundred years. And just seeing that Apple you know Apple going from one trillion to 2.4 trillion is, is one of those examples. But I, I think we live in a time now where the more good that you do, and that's what we do at, at Kiranaga, we say we're not impact investors, but what we invest in, it, the bigger the impact that the investment has, the more the more good it'll do and, and the more you know profit that everybody will will make. So it's I think we're moving into that age now where you know if you're you know, dumping oil on the river, you're doing bad, you know, bad things are probably still happening, but hopefully there's enough, you know, there's enough cameras these days that that's catching that stuff. And we, as consumers, we can go like, I'm not buying from them anymore. I'm going, you know, I'm going in this other direction. So tell us a little bit about Karenaga and, and what about where you're focused? What kind of companies? I know you do you invest in early stage companies yeah. uh, and products that are on the verge of commercialization. But what does that mean? What is an early stage company? What? Sure. How, how much do you invest? What what level? Are yeah, they, of course. Uh, I'll just take a, a, a quick step back. Uh, so I, I came to Florida. I was just you know, really happy here. But because of my background, I, I got pulled into the ecosystem pretty quick. You know, the the mix between you know the government, the business, uh, the entrepreneurial community, the startup tech community, and just loved it. Just loved the people who were here. I, I always tell the story, folks that that come to Florida or especially in in Central Florida, they're here because they love it. Where when I grew up in LA, a lot of people were just there for the industry. They actually didn't like LA or didn't love LA. I I loved LA, but but they were just there because they you know were the prom king or queen and they thought that they were going to be the next you know brad pitt or i gotta anything. tell you it's the only place i've been to that my taxi driver at the time <laughs> driver, like everybody's an actor you know what i mean they're trying to pitch you on you know i was an extra on this i was an extra on that you know i had to walk on on this it's crazy well it was it was a sad point and that's one of the things that actually finally got me to leave is because you'd want to be having you know meaning you go out to some great party and you're having 
you know, good conversation and people are like, oh, um, you know, are you a producer or a director? Or you're like, no, I'm working in technology. And at the time that wasn't, that wasn't cool. And they'd be like, okay, next, you know, and they would, really? you, know, you couldn't, if you couldn't connect with their uh, career, if you couldn't help them get their next acting job, like you, you couldn't even have a conversation about, about anything. Um, and I just go, okay, I, I need to join. And hopefully some of that's changed. I know over the past 10 years, you know, tech is really, um, you know, much bigger in LA than it, than it used to be. But I was just like, you know, I, I want to be a part of a different community and a different culture. And I just, I just really enjoy being in, you know, in Florida collectively and literally within a hundred mile radius. I, you know, I pick up Tampa, like there's 500,000 students and, and university, you know, and universities around that within a you know, hundred mile radius of where I'm at. So when I when I got here, I got pulled into all this stuff. Really enjoyed the community. Really enjoyed all of that, all the the connectivity. But then, and I, I you know started running the tech associations and chambers of commerce and and doing some really cool stuff. But everybody kept coming back to you. what we really need is early stage capital. And all of a sudden, you were like, wait a minute, we have the students, we have the talent, we have the universities, we have the accelerators. Like we have all the pieces. That must be it. We're missing we're missing the uh, early stage piece. And when the bright, the brightest, you know, startups, I saw it, they'd go to Atlanta, usually to Atlanta, sometimes to Boston, New York, sometimes to Austin, and sometimes out to California. And it was just this continual brain drain. And about seven, now it's about seven years ago, I met um, the, the two founders of Kiranaga, uh, Terry, uh, Dave Scalzo and Terry Berland. And they showed up at my office at the Chamber of Commerce and said, uh, we're, we believe in Florida and we're, we're here to invest in early stage pre-revenue technology companies. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, you guys are my favorite by default because no one else is. <laughs> we have angel groups around here throwing, you know, 50 or 100,000. And that, that type of news was making the paper at the time. And these guys wanted to come in and write, you know, one, two, three million dollar checks and then started and then started doing that. And I'm like, OK, well, I'm just going to keep referring all the talent that I see. I'm going to refer to them. They um, they called me up about two. Little, oh, I guess we started the conversation over two years ago. Now they said, hey, we, we did so well with our first fund. But sure enough, the best opportunity we've invested all around the country. But our best opportunities we find coming out of Florida. And we think it's because there's so little competition. We're getting the, the cream of the crop where other places, everybody's fighting for, you know, B and C deals. We're getting A plus deals in Florida. And I go, that's exactly what I've seen. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it from you guys. So we um, we put together the, the second fund really with a Florida thesis. But we're like, hey, we can invest around the country. We can invest around the world. But we think that this is such a, and for the moment, just just for this next you know handful of years, we think there's just such little competition in this region, and there's so much talent and IP coming out of this region. We go like this: this is going to be this is going to be the hot thing for the next several years. Um, and so yeah, we launched. Uh, it was a little crazy. We launched this fund, got great traction, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, and you know the Dow's off eleven thousand points. <laughs> Everybody's you know running for cover. But, you know, after a, a few months, you know, the Dow was back up, the investment community felt, you know, comfortable. And then we got back to raising. We, out of our new fund, we've already made seven investments uh, and six of them are in Florida. 
Uh, and specifically, and we love the whole we love the whole state, but we've we've seen so much in this. What I said, the I four corridor, uh, all six are actually in the corridor. Wow, that's super. And what kind of companies are you investing in? So that's what we um like I like I said we we really go after um, high impact uh, meaningful companies, and that's you know at, at the top of the list would be a, a company called Violet Defense. They, uh, I wish I could take credit for it. Dave and Terry invested in Violet back in 2016 and they had patented UV technology that would clean surfaces and clean the air in, in spaces. And, and Terry had a background, he taught nuclear uh, engineering at the Naval School when it was here. And then he also was a, a partner at McKinsey working in their uh, health and uh, infections unit. So he understood the technology. He goes like, this is real, but <laughs> imagine in, 17, 18, and 19, trying to tell people why they why they wanted clean surfaces and clean air in indoor spaces. Like people are like, ah, when's the last time anybody really got sick? And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the Orlando Magic actually licensed the technology in 2019 because they wanted to keep the players and the staff healthy because they, they saw the immediate, you know, hey, if we could just stay a little healthier, maybe that'll help us win more games. And then all of a sudden 2020 hits and then the phone's just ringing off the hook um, because it's such a, it's, you know, UV has been around forever, but the technology that they have has brought the, the cost down uh, immensely um, orders of magnitude of cost versus the, the existing competition. Um, so it's just been amazing to see what that company's up to. And, and I, I think we'll be uh, very happy to see what happens with them over the next uh, several months. No, that's another uh, another great two others that I would mention uh, out of the seven. One of them uh, was just a fantastic was a referral to us called Space Perspective, and that is a space tourism company based right uh, uh, at Kennedy Space Center uh, that will take up to eight people to the edge of space over a, a six-hour journey, two hours at the at the apogee, and uh, instead, you know, instead of, and it'll do it without, without the use of a rocket. It's a, it's a, uh, a weather balloon on, on steroids is the best that I could say it. And they're developing a pressurized capsule that looks kind of like a, a, a UFO and literally it takes you seven family members and a, a pilot up to a hundred thousand feet where you can see the, what the astronauts call the overview effect. Um, in their, their last test flight, they showed me a picture of what it looked like at 100,000 feet. And it just, you know, it's it's high enough. Um, you don't have to deal with gravity. You don't have to deal with G-forces. I, I like to say grandparents will be able to take grandkids to the edge of space and then be able to talk about the overview effect and be able to talk about, you know, not our, our borders and our countries, but, you know, life on this planet and what what humanity is, is really up to. Um, really exciting. And then another one, uh, NASA developed technology uh, called Ecospheres. And they literally, uh, NASA uh, put millions into this, but they were able to draw PCBs and toxins out of waterways um, and be able to eradicate that. Where the other solutions, we've seen that up in the Hudson where they're just like dredging the whole thing and ruining the ecosystem. This technology actually goes in and extracts that, pre preserves the ecosystem and literally pulls the toxins out. And now Ecospheres, uh, actually working with Violet Defense, is working on an industrial scale uh, clean water initiative. So, so that's just kind of a, a flavor of, of some of the stuff. 
And those are, are three uh, Florida headquartered companies. Um, so it's, it's, it's just a really exciting time. And literally these days we get hit up and you probably see it as well, but almost, almost every day by an investable company. Uh, it is just an amazing you know, time out there. And um, so how many companies, and so you picked out seven, how many companies came to you to get out of the seven? What was the larger pool? Say, say that first part again. So how many companies did you have to go down through to evaluate to come up with seven companies? Oh, yeah, we go, <laughs> we go through a lot. What, one of our commitments to the community is that we, um, even if we say, hey, this, this just isn't right for our portfolio or, you know, we don't think you're ready or, you know, whatever, whatever the issue is, we always try to give constructive advice. But, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time uh, on due diligence. We probably, I mean, at least we've probably looked at, you know, uh, to get to that, probably at least 70 to 80. It's probably, you know, one out of 10 or one out of 15, um, some, somewhere in that. If I had to guess, we we at least looked at a uh, hundred, probably a hundred companies to get those those seven, and then several of those we have as a as a backlog to invest in, and so we'll you know we'll be making those announcements in the in the coming weeks. Our last investment was a, a company called Matrix, which is out of the University of Florida, based in in Gainesville, just about an hour and forty five minutes north of where I'm at, um, and they have amazing technology that will help with the transition from LED screens, which we mostly have now to OLED screens and to help those, the technology and the plants that, that build those screens, instead of having to tear all those plants down, they can literally just transition into this new technology and what, what they could do with these future screens. is just absolutely amazing. Wow. And now are you a GP or are you an LP? When you go in, I'm, on, I'm, on the, I'm on the GP. I'm on the GP side. Yeah. What about um, in terms of the rounds? Do you lead the rounds, or you do follow-on investment? We um, um, we always say we we play nice with others. It's always our hope um, that we get to lead the round. Uh, we you know we've just seen too many deals you know in Florida and across the country where you know people just put together bad term sheets. Rather, it's it's intentional or whether it's negligent you know who knows but it's just the the worst when either an angel group or a venture group or some type of investor does the early structuring of a, of a company and literally it makes it, it can make them uninvestable when it could be a, a fantastic founder and just a, amazing technology and you're just like i you know i'm I'm sorry, there's no way that we can get involved because, you know, the way that this deal structured. So we, we prefer uh, to do that ourselves. And then if, if we, um, if other people, you know, want to get involved or believe in it, then it's fine. What I loved about uh, the, the Kiranaga philosophy is if we have the conviction to do it, like we'll lead the round, but we don't need co-investors to, to believe in it. Uh, for us to have conviction, we go. We we call it uh, post-validated technology. If if we know the technology is real, then we'll take the risk all day on the commercialization, because we go, hey, we'll we'll get you there. And most of the founders we work with are are technical founders. They've they've never formed a business before. They've never 
you know, done the marketing or done the business development or, or really taken something to uh, commercialization. So we go like, it's okay, you're brilliant and you're brilliant at what you do. You keep, you keep doing that and we'll help, you know, we'll help bring the, you know, the team around you and we'll help introduce you. I mean, literally that's, that's one of our favorite things is we go, who's your top three aspirational clients? You know, let's talk, let's make sure that we're all on the same page about who those are. And then you're like, we probably know, we probably know them. So the minute that you're ready, we'll get you in front of those folks. And we, we can never guarantee that, you know, a, a you know, big company or, or big in, investor is going to buy what you're selling, but we can certainly get your foot in the door. No, that's great. Listen, we're coming to the top of the hour. Closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, um, LinkedIn is, I think, anybody who's not on LinkedIn these days, I just think it's the most valuable uh, asset. And especially having having um, run a chamber of commerce before, it's, you know, it's nice coming to connecting with people in your community. But when you go, I want to talk to this person in this company, and you go like, there they are. And then you, you know, just my, my advice is, don't try to sell them on because we, we get it too often. Like I have a company want to invest and you're like, no, <laughs> no, I like we have to, you know, think of it as a, a dating process, no matter if you're looking for a job or you're looking for investment, like, and then the, I would do it earlier, the better, like, don't reach out the minute you need something, be like, Hey, I'm working on this. I want to make you aware of it. I'm really proud of what I'm working on here. Here's, you know, here it is. Cause I, I love connecting with people like that. And it'd be like, wow, that's really cool. Let's, let's stay in touch. Hey, you know, are there connections I can make for you? Like, what do you, what do you need? And you just, you know, start the conversation that way. But yeah, I, I think that that's one of, you know, obviously you can go through our web, you know, kiranaga.com. You could, you could reach out to us a variety of ways, but yeah, the best one, um, the best way to, to reach, reach me is, is usually through LinkedIn. No, that's great. Well, Jim, I want to thank you. Thank you for taking time in your busy schedule to come on the show today. And to my audience, I want to thank you. Uh, my name is Gary Fowler, and this is GSD Presents, Silicon Valley AI and Tech. Today, we have another special edition coming up at 12 o'clock. I will have Anna Fedorova uh, on, and uh, we will be talking about early stage startups from around the world from Unicorn Battle. So, Jim... Thank you so much. Have a great day. Stay safe and stay healthy. Audience, see you soon. Thanks for taking your time. Take care, Jim. All right. Take care.